Welcome to Of The People. Thank you for joining us live. The bipartisan border bill BS. So the bill, not that anyone's really read it, that has come through Senator Schumer and Senator McConnell that you can't read and you can't amend and you have to pass the bill before you find out what's in it is really not solving the problem at the border. It's a surrender to the open border people. It's so bad that even the bill's sponsors are now backing away and saying that they may not even support the, the bill that they put out there. But let's be really clear about what this bill does and what this bill doesn't do. First of all, what no one's talking about, because, oh, they're going to let in 5,000 people a day, and if it's more than that, then they'll shut down the border. But what that really says is, okay, let's institutionalize lawbreaking. So 5,000 people can come here illegally, and that's okay and then we'll shut the border. It also does nothing to define what an asylum seeker is. Remember during the Trump years that asylum, someone claiming asylum had to show that they were being persecuted by a government as opposed to a criminal organization or family. Biden did away with that. So they don't, and they give the president the ability to close the border on an emergency basis, but it's a waning, it, it, it would wane over time. So it doesn't do anything to solve the border crisis. What it does is it institutionalizes the open border crowd. And like, like we said, it institutionalizes illegality, right? So you can have a little bit of being illegal, but you can't have a lot of being illegal. So 5,000 people, which by the way, you have all done the math, 5,000 a day, 365 days, 1.8 million people a year. Un unacceptable. Like I said, so bad that even the sponsors like Langford are not going to support this bill. And it's dead on arrival in the House. The other thing not reported in the media is the cost. In that bill, it's $20 billion to secure our border and $60 billion to secure the Ukrainian border. And there's aid for Israel, which we, of course, support and think it's important because Israeli values are American values. But Israel's aid package should be in a standalone bill, as should the Ukraine package of support be in a standalone bill. So your borders, ladies and gentlemen, are worth 20 billion, but Ukraine's borders are worth three times more than ours, right? And here's the real truth. Trump's policies were working. Remain in Mexico worked. There's something called the Immig uh, Immigration and um, Nationality Act. That's the laws on the books. Enforce the laws. You can close the border, but they don't want to enforce the law. And it's a typical democratic ploy, right? Make a problem bigger, put it before Congress, try to drive through a compromise that gets most of what you want when all you have to do is enforce the laws and you wouldn't have this problem. But that's not the way politics works in this country any longer. Is it any wonder there is now this rise of talk in Texas about seceding from the U.S.? Now, whether or not they can do that legally, we're going to talk about in the next segment. But let's be clear. Biden's bipartisan border bill BS is dead on arrival. And you're going to see that it may not even make it past the first vote in the Senate because even the sponsors are backing away. It's a bad bill and it's bad for America. And that's our thoughts on the border bill. Joining me now, of course, is my lovely co-host. Erica. Looking very lovely today, Erica. Thank you. Thank you very much. So you know, you yellow is a good color on me. Much like 
Biden and the other cowards who won't deal with our border. Um, so you're calling them yellow? I, yes. I actually don't think they're scared. I think it's intentional. Oh, mm, see, what we talked I about think in they're the monologue. stupid. I think you can't know, be that stupid. It ha that you know, Roberts. That's what I'm thinking. Like I, there's a part of me that's like, oh, coward, stupid, whatever. But I think you're right. Like, how can it be anything other than intentional at this point? Look, the laws were working under Trump. Remain in Mexico was working. Title 42 was working. Now, grant you that was related to COVID and, and using that to enforce you know, border security. They mm -hmm. got rid of Title 42. They let it expire. We, all, we knew this was going to happen. Yep. Right. And they're not enforcing the laws on the books when all you got to do is enforce the laws on the books. And again, it goes to selective application of the law. You yeah. only enforce the laws that you think are the right laws. The Democrats are... Are, are famous for that, right? Look at all yep. the laws that they're there. Look at the Supreme Court decision that said no to the Biden administration that they could not waive student debt. So what did they do? They ignored it and they went, they came up with another angle to do it. So yep. this whole conversation is interesting because it's selective application of law. But think about it. Let's yeah. be really clear. What they're really saying is, it's okay if you cheat on your taxes a little bit. It's okay if you cheat on your wife or husband a little bit. You know, 5,000 people can come here illegally. We're going to make that the law. And that's okay. 5,000 a day. So, so a little bit of transgressing the law is okay. Yes. But then yeah. if it's too much, it's no good. So is that like, that's like kind of pregnant, isn't Almost it? Almost pregnant. Yeah. It's like, it's like being kind of pregnant. That's why um, I love that you mentioned the Texas secession movement. So there is this, uh, it's called Texit. Uh, oh, like so that. now I, just for the record, I don't know anything about this organization. So they could be absolutely terrible people. I I don't know. But I, I heard the term Texit and I thought it was hysterical. So I looked it up. And sure enough, it is the Texas secession movement. And look at this. Uh, it, okay, if Texas wasn't currently an independent self-governing nation, would you vote to join the union? Right? So if this were back in the formation of the a, country. I believe that's a hell no. I believe that's a hell no. Or as and so, Scott said, Hades no. Right? And so then it says, well, if not, why would you say? And I'm like, well, um, let's see. We do have our own electric grid. We have seaports we yeah, have wait, wait, wait. Look, the texas economy is the second or third largest in the country and i think it's larger mm. than than most nations so we're not arguing that the question is can they legally secede from Ooh, the union that's a good question that well good i question. actually think it's pretty simple right? yeah um if you're following the law they cannot legally secede from the union but interesting the, but the whole idea is if the Biden administration can ignore the law, why can't Texas? Right. That's, because because yeah. I mean I mean look, they say that this is what well, not even stare decisis. They say that it was settled at Appomattox. It was settled during the during the Civil War. That was what the Civil War was about. I mean, they say the Civil War was about slavery, and it very much was, right? But it was also yeah. about states' rights versus the federal government. Correct. Right. So all these scholars are now saying it's decided law. They can't they can't leave the union. It's not legal. And, you know, you have to obey. Here, here's the catch. The Supreme Court has already decided this issue. Oh, so it's illegal. Oh, wait. So to, now we're going back to respecting the Supreme Court. 
I thought they were right. terrible and we needed to we, impeach all of them. No, no, no. It's no, no. We only, you know, again, it goes back to even the gun control issue, which is we only want to selectively apply the laws we like. And this is really simple. <laughs> we're either a society of laws or we're not. And the Democrats have already mm. gone so far down the road of whether it's sanctuary cities, whether it's the environment, you know, again, ruling by, I would say, either judicial fiat, because all mm. they ever do is run to the courts, or yep. they rule by executive order. So Correct. to say that Texas Tyranny. cannot secede, and again, you know, did you see the whole thing with Nikki Haley this week? So you know, she was uh, she was for it before she was against it, right? <laughs> right. So so she makes a public say. And look, don't get me wrong. I mean, I like I like you know Ambassador Haley um, or Governor Haley. I forget which we're supposed to call her, but I think it's whatever the highest. Which is that would be Ambassador or Ambassador? Amb I yeah. think Ambassador is higher than Governor, but who knows? Yeah. In any anyway. event. She's on CNN, right, appealing to yeah. the moderates, of course, or the, okay. the independents, because yep. those are the people who watch CNN. I'm just kidding, right? <laughs> but, and she said that, well, it's up to the people of Texas, rightfully so, and they can secede if they wanted to, if, the, you know, the major, that's what the majority voted for. Obviously, she was raked over the coals for that comment. She obviously tended to walk it back and said, well, it's that, they're, you know, it's not, they're not happy and it's not really about secession and they can't really do it. So she was be for it before she was against it, right? So it's, mm. it's sort of like, you know, where's, where's my picture of, you know, someone like windsurfing in yeah. one direction before they start windsurfing well, in the other direction? I think it, it, watching Nikki Haley has been a really interesting uh, demonstration of presidential politics, right? So she, right. you can you you can literally watch her trying to appeal to independents and disaffected Democrats. Like that's who she's reaching out to, which will um, do nothing to help her win the primaries. And 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 this is the unfor unfortunately for her the people who actually go out and vote in the primaries are the die hard uh no holds barred usually hardcore conservatives or hardcore liberals and leftists you know they're the people who are the most invested politically so those people i mean it's it's a strategy it's a strategy. Yeah, and my, and my comment is, how's that working for you? She's going to get dusted in South Carolina. She is then, look, she's got enough money now to, to make it through Super Tuesday. Uh, I, I don't see a path for her after then. And look, stranger things can happen. I guess if she can, you know, limp into the convention and she's got some delegates, she might have some bargaining power. But again, I think, you know, she's she's going to be a VP candidate with Trump. I, I don't see I don't see how you make that rapprochement. And I'm, a, I'm of two mm -hmm. minds. Right. Mm -hmm. Actually, I'm of more than two minds. But for, for those who know me, uh, the real question comes down to winning the general election. And that's been her argument. But let's mm -hmm. focus on Trump. Right. Politics is warfare by another means. That's a, sort of an acknowledged definition or one of them. Mm. Chess is also warfare. To okay. win a game of chess, you have to control the middle. Unless mm -hmm. someone's going to tell me that the Trump support is, is brought in so many new people, and it might, right? The black community is moving more towards Trump. The Hispanic community is moving more towards women. Trump, whether or not those number, well, the women are really, I think, in question. I haven't seen any data that supports that. But if your mm -hmm. goal is to win the general election, you're going to have to at least move some part of the center 
into your coalition. So this whole exclusionary yeah. thing about, well, you know, they're not welcome here. You know, uh, again, you've got 30 percent Dems, you've got 30 uh, percent, maybe 35 Dem, you maybe 30 percent Republican. You're going to have to pull more in. But yeah. that doesn't help N- Nikki Haley. I want to get back to this Texas. Thing. Yeah. You are, you're in Texas. Yes, sir. Are you hearing any conversation buzz about, not that I think it's really gained any critical mass yet, because there's still a fight at the border. Anything about secession? What I mean, the man on the oh, street, yeah. what, what are you hearing? Oh, yeah. Even the um, there's a House, Texas House candidate uh, in our district, District 20, who has the endorsement of Texas. So this is something that people are talking about. It is something that Texans care about. We are seeing, you know, Texas is one of the states that's seeing the brunt of this border crisis, the brunt really? of the Biden uh, border, b- the Bidenomics. Biden border no, no. Yeah, the Biden, Biden border, border bot, botch. The botched border by Biden. Um, by Biden. And, and then, you know, the economy. And additionally... Tex- Texans, particularly cultural Texans, are very upset about the number of people who have moved here because so much of the tech industry has moved to Texas that now, um, up until recently, Dallas County didn't have a single Republican elected official. And so so not only is it is the national stuff happening, but now it's local politics being affected by this nonsense too. And people are not happy about it. So you see a lot of people getting engaged, a lot of people mad and everybody's talking about it. And and I love the fact that, and we're going to talk about this a little later. One of the smartest things that, that Abbott did is start shipping these illegal (laughs) immigrants to some of the blue cities. And, you know, let's all share the pain here so much to the point where, New York is overrun. I mean, you saw yeah. the you saw the episode where these migrants attacked two, two New York City cops. Oh, oh, wait. And, you mean you mean this guy? Hold on, hold hold on. You mean oh, gotta, you mean this guy? Yeah, that guy. That 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 got released within twenty four hours out of beating the crap out of a cop, two. and then flipped off the media. Yeah, that guy. So, yeah. um, folks, coming to a town or city near you soon. So. There are consequences here, and that's what people need to understand. It's not just, oh, you know, you're being xenophobic or you're being America first or you're being MAGA or any of that. Mm-hmm. A country is defined by three things and three things only. Border, language, culture. Thank you, Michael Savage. I don't claim to have made that up. I stole it from him, right? Um, but it is accurate. Border matters. And mm-hmm. I will tell you, I was just north of the border. And I mm-hmm. will tell you, the northern border is not getting a lot of attention, and it should. Yes. Obviously, the pictures you're seeing are the southern border. But you're going to start seeing this rise in crime in, the, in these urban areas, as you're seeing in New York. Denver is now complaining, you know, that bastion of sort of the, the liberal jewel of, of you know, um, I don't know, uh, uh, organic city about this is how, you know. <laughs> You know, the result of liberal policies. How's that working for you oh, guys? Oh, yes. How's that working for you guys in Portland, by the way? <laughs> um, so the mayor is now complaining that the city has reached its limit. And we can't take it. You know, the quality yep. of life is going on. Um, do you think you're hoisted on your own petard again? That's, you know, blown up by your own bomb, folks. If for those of you who don't follow Shakespeare, not that I follow him that much, but I do follow <laughs> dead people. It's okay. So it just... 
I look at all of this and, and it just, it amazes me. And now and we're going to talk with our guest who's going to be on shortly. Uh, we have coming on Joe Pinion, former Newsmax host, former U.S. Senate candidate against Chucky Schumer. Right? Ooh, and, Chucky. And the, and the first Scary. black um, candidate in for Senate candidate in New York ever for either party. Right? That's right. Political commentator, you know, which is appropriate because we're in, I mean, I Black think, History Month. Is it Black History Month? Yep, it's Mr. not only Joe Black Pinion. History Month. It's not only Black History Month. It's it's BLM Week. Oh, Week of BLM Action. Is. Week of Action. Got it. Action. Got it. Oh, so, so you're going to get me singing songs now. Yeah, that's okay. Don't, uh, don't sing. No, not that song. Oh, you're folks, in deep trouble folks. now, Robert. Got it. So, <laughs> any event. So we're going to be, be talking about this later. Well, you know, I want one of those credit. I want one of those debit cards in New York City because <gasps> yes. it's going to save seven million dollars. Right. You, I mean, they're bumping kids out of school to make room for illegal immigrants. They're giving them money. Hey, look, if I'm an illegal immigrant, I'm coming here. I'm going to get free housing, free education. Mm. Yep. And I'm going to displace Americans who pay taxes to get my education. And I'm going to get free food, which I don't have to eat. Right. Because now they're going to give me a debit card provided I promise to spend it on food. Okay. <laughs> oh, I promise. Right. None of those are going to get hawked or traded for drugs. I'm sure. I'm sure. None of that is going to be scammed off or anything. Right. But I'm sure. But but the selling point is it's going to save the city seven million dollars. So wait, they're going to spend 53 to save seven. They are. Oh, my God, Robert, you know I'm an accountant. You can't give me math like that and expect me, my brain not to have a fit. I, well, you know, I mean, it is tax season. so we're Who getting says that? Who says that crap and then they believe it? That's my but, question. But that's the selling point. That's the selling point. So, so look, we, let, let's, bring, let's bring on Joe Pinion because um, I always like bringing on people who are smarter than me. Yeah. Right? Which isn't hard to do, but... We're getting the high sign from Lord Benjamin. All right. Hang on one second, y'all. Hi, I'm Robert Chernin. And I'm Erica Reddick. And we are Of The People. Join us on WUVR 1490 on your AM dial. That's Thursdays, 9 a.m., Saturdays, 3 p.m., and... WNTK 99.7 FM. And if you can't find out of those, you can find us on Rumble. That's right. Listen in. All right. Thank you, Joe, for being with us today. Absolutely. Always great to be with you guys. Joe, Joe, nice to see you. Thank you for taking time to, to join us on Of The People. Haven't seen you since First In The Nation. How are, thing, how are things going? Well, look, about uh, as well as they were going when I saw you guys in New Hampshire, but perhaps <laughs> worse. I, uh, we I have, was hoping for so much better. We have a... <laughs> I mean, we have a busted border deal, which perhaps you should be thanking the good heavens for, uh, because, right. you know, there's this narrative being put forth by the Democrats that somehow uh, that Donald Trump has planted worms in the minds of all the Republican voters and legislature. And that is why uh, we have rejected this deal. The fact is, the deal would have been rejected in the ninth hour or the first hour if they told us what was inside the deal. Uh, so mm. it's only rejected in the 11th hour because they hid it from us. Uh, you cannot solve a crisis by codifying the problems that led to the crisis and the notion mm. that you can leave uh, 5,000 people a day 
coming into the country. And only then will the president have the authority to close the border completely as if he doesn't possess that power already. Uh, that is not a solution. That is a con. Uh, that is business as usual. That is the mm. type of governance that got us in this problem in the first place. Yeah, right. You know, that that's a good point. So my argument is, is pretty simple. You know, the Democrat playbook is always to take a issue or a problem, make it bigger, and then try to drive through a compromise that codifies what they really wanted. And this bill, I haven't read it because I don't know that anybody has, right? This is the old Nancy Pelosi playbook. Of, we have to pass the bill before we figure out what's in it, right? <laughs> Which, And by the way, they're not going to committee on it. They're not going to, to allow any amendments on it, right? And what they're doing to me is codifying illegality into law. So 5,000 people a day are allowed, as at least from what we know, are allowed to come into this country illegally, and that's okay. And then we're going to enforce the laws after these people come in illegally, right? I mean, it's a democratic playbook. And to me, this bill, which, look, even Senator Langford is now not even saying he's going to support the bill that he sponsored, right? <laughs> yeah, which you got to love that. But uh, but but your your old, um, you know, uh, you ran against Senator Schumer. I want to talk about it in a second. But obviously, it's the Schumer, McConnell, Langford, and I think Cinema are the sponsors of the bill. Oh God! They've, so a bunch of basically Democrats. Pretty much, Did and I basically they've codified it into into law. It's dead on arrival, but. Isn't that really the Democrat playbook to to ensconce or pass open borders? That's what this bill was, isn't it? Well, it, it, there's a lot of things here that are pretty pernicious. First and foremost, the Democrats trying to convince us that they actually care about securing the border. Everything that they have done uh, since Joseph Robinette Biden has taken the oath of office has been to allow undocumented illegal immigrants and migrants to have unfettered access to our country. Uh, every single time the state of Texas tries to say we will secure the border on our own since the federal government won't do it, the Biden DOJ has dragged them to court. Uh, the state of Arizona famously decided we will put up a temporary barrier using shipping containers to secure the border. The Biden DOJ took them to court. The latest uh, nonsense with uh, the DOJ uh, suing Texas to say that they have the right to cut down the barbed wire that the state of Texas has put up to secure the border. So uh, you can't keep telling people we don't want open borders when anytime somebody tries to secure the border, you go ahead and open it up again or sue for the right to do so. So, you know, <laughs> stop gaslighting the American people and convincing us that our eyes are lying to us, that the definition of words have suddenly changed overnight. They don't want men or women to mean the same things anymore. They don't want a secure border to have the same definition either. So, yes, um, it, it's just par for the course here, and we just have to keep telling people, as President Trump told us, when he came down uh, that escalator in 2015, either we have a country or we don't. And that phrase right. starts with having respect for American sovereignty. They have debased our sovereignty on the southern border, and that's before we get to the gotaways that are escaping detection and getting around the border, uh, the actual border agents. That's before we get to the fentanyl crisis uh, that has turned Main Street USA into a killing field uh, because of parents being forced to bury children that should still be here laughing and living and prospering. They've allowed this Chinese Communist Party to declare pharmaceutical warfare on Main Street. Joe Biden has done nothing. That's why the fentanyl continues to stream unabated uh, over the Mexican border.
And one of the things that I've also heard about the bill is, that, by the way, the five and the five thousand limit is only for a contiguous border to the U.S. So in theory, if we had, you know, twenty thousand Chinese nationals cross the border, the five thousand limit doesn't apply. What I'm trying to wrap my head around, though, is the federal government already has the tools to close the border, do they not? There's there is the Immigration and Nationalization Act which was already passed. There was Trump's policy remain in Mexico, both of which functionally were working. And obviously Trump, the Trump administration, gave some definition to what an asylum seeker was. You had to be persecuted by a government, not by, Correct. you know, Political. not by your husband or wife or not by um, mm -hmm. the cartels, right? I mean, Joe, what am I missing here? I mean, enforce the laws, right? If just enforce the laws, we wouldn't have a border problem. Well, let's just work our way backwards with this failed bill. The failed bill, again, gives the president the right to ask for the border to be sealed completely once this 5,000 a day daily limit has been breached, which begs the question again, if you are now effectively acknowledging what we have told you for months and years that the president already has this authority, why doesn't he secure and close the border today? being that we're already uh, breaching the threshold that they are proposing under this new law. So it just goes to show you the lack of seriousness in the legislation, uh, that there is no actual integrity in what they are proposing. They don't want the secure border. They want to have the patina of having solved the problem while also reserving the right to allow things to continue as they currently are. Because if the president actually wants us to believe that he has seen the light and suddenly with this new law passed that he is going to ask the actual people on the border to secure it, a good show of good faith would be for him to secure the border today, which he hasn't done because his own party is crying uh, for him not to even sign this bill that he has asked these Democrats uh, to booby trap before it even lands on his desk. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I read the progressive lobby says the bill doesn't go far enough and does not provide amnesty for all the illegals who are currently in the country as well. Yeah. This is crazy. I mean, right. you have to just break this down and say, look, we are a compassionate nation. Uh, I would offer that you can't find a more compassionate nation than the United States of America, no matter mm -hmm. how much those activists on the left want to tell you otherwise. But there is nothing compassionate about people trying to go through one of the most dangerous expanses on the planet, the Darien Gap, and having tents set up there for the sole explicit purpose of the sexual assault of women and children who attempt to go uh, through this perilous journey. And then only to be subject again on the border to more sexual assault. We have reports from all manner of organizations across the political spectrum that tell us no less than 70% of the women and children who make this perilous journey are sexually assaulted along the way. And the trophies on the southern border, aka mm -hmm. the tattered clothing hanging from the cacti and the trees, which in many ways are the reminder of yep. that assault, is not something that should be happening in the name of America. And it happens because our elected officials have told people that it is their right to come here and enter the country illegally. They, in many ways, are hand-delivering these women and children as chattel 
to the cartels for the money they receive and also for them to be abused physically, mentally, and emotionally as well. That's what, I mean, all of this just feels so much like dereliction of duty. Like they're creating a humanitarian crisis. If you say, let's just say, okay let's just say yes we're gonna take in all of these uh asylum seekers why wouldn't we then just go get them <laughs> why wouldn't we just go pick them up and be like hey just come in this plane instead of allowing them to be sexually assaulted possibly die starve to death beaten whatever else it is like there is no logic in any of the decisions that are being made well, because the logic is clear uh, mm. that they are trying to perpetuate a fraud on the American people. We know mm. already, uh, prior to Joe Biden, prior to even President Trump, the vast majority of people that come to this country seeking asylum do not qualify for asylum. Right. We go through a deliberate process to give them their just due and give them their day in court. But ultimately, north of 90 percent of the people that seek asylum do not qualify for asylum under the terms of the laws of this nation. And so the real question has to be asked, if you know this, why do you continue to act as if every single person coming here is a credible mm -hmm. asylum and even take a step beyond that? At what point in time does your credible fear of persecution from wherever mm -hmm. you come actually stop kicking in, right? We've got over 24,000 uh, military aides, mostly men, coming from That's China, right. right? How many countries have they passed through before they arrived at a checkpoint the, on so, the border? You look okay. at this concretely. Yes, go ahead. The, no, I'm sorry. This I just I'm so incensed. This is the thing. If you're so scared and you're running, why do you have to come to America? If you've left China and you make it to South America, in theory, you're already in a better place than you were before where you're not going to be persecuted for religion or whatever. So why do you then have to come to America? Well, look, and I think that this is the question that has to be asked. We have individuals who have gone to two, three, four, five, six countries before they've arrived at America to seek asylum. Whatever you think of the laws that we have on the books, I think it is fair to say that, yes, mm. you have the right to seek asylum. You do not have the right to go asylum shopping. And what is <laughs> that they're going to seek asylum in one place. There has to be burden sharing here. If we're going to continue to pump billions of dollars into the UN and to NATO, these mm. other allied nations have to share this burden with us. It's not just the burden of trying to keep uh, this access of evil that has been reborn under Joe Biden at bay. It is also the burden sharing for what happens when the access of evil causes disturbances mm. in the actual human dealings of everyday life that results in people being displaced. So yeah. how are you going to deal with that displacement? We can and shall have a heart for that, as we always have. But the notion that we are going to say that the only place these people can find asylum is the United States of America makes no sense. And the last thing I will simply say is that if you go back to when George uh, W. Bush was president, when they put mm -hmm. in place uh, that third safe, uh, thir thir that third safe country act, the original third safe country mm -hmm. act. Okay. It basically gave Canada the right to say any person that shows up at our border 
at an actual official point of entry, we reserve the right to send them back to one of the first countries they passed through before they got here. So the United States of America signed an agreement with Canada, giving Canada the right to turn people away who had gone mm. through multiple countries before they got to Canada. Then the wow. Biden administration, during this reboot of Obama 2.0, whatever you want to call it, went back and codified that agreement and expanded it to not just the official points of entry, but all the points in between the official points of entry, which is where the majority of the illegal immigration had been happening. So the question becomes, if you somehow recognize that there are people seeking asylum in countries that arguably had better claims in one of the earlier countries they visited. You as America give that right to our neighbor on the on the northern border, which effectively mm -hmm. borders nobody but us. Why in the world do we not ask the same of other countries, including Mexico, including all the allied countries that these migrants are passing through on the road to the American dream that they are trying to take means that go outside the bounds of our laws because once again the people in dc declared the southern border the new ellis island that's right that that's is right point. So, so joe i want to see i want you to wait in something a little more controversial we were also talking Ooh. about texas in particular and and the increase in texas movement to secede from the united states and the legality or illegality of that i'm not arguing they should and i'm not arguing they will but certainly this whole border crisis and the pending crisis between what I would argue is states' rights, Texas, uh, 10th Amendment, you know, the Bill of Rights, uh, I think it's Section 10 of Article 1 as well, of the U.S. Constitution. Um, and obviously, uh, Ambassador Haley sort of waded uh, into this controversy by first saying they had Texas had the right and didn't have the right. Um, where Does the Constitution give the right to, to secede, in your opinion? I mean, uh, let's. For, I think there's two conversations here. There's what we call the letter of the law, and then there's also what we call the spirit of the law. Certainly, all you have to do is read uh, the, the writings of, of Jefferson, read the writings of many of the founding fathers. It was quite clear uh, that they understood that this was a government uh, that could only exist by the consent of the governed. Uh, mm -hmm. This was a government that they believed uh, only had the legitimacy that we describe as America if the people of America believed in its legitimacy. So uh, America has always been an idea. I think the founders always recognized that the thing that held that idea together was the freedom of the people to discard that idea when they felt as if the governance of the idea had been betrayed. So I, I think that certainly there are people who are uh, more uh, well-versed in the legal arguments but I think that anyone who has read any of the text of the Constitution or the supporting text, the Federalist documents, all the things that people were talking about when they were trying to strike that balance between states' rights and federal rights, understood implicitly that the people had the right uh, to disband the government they thought was unjust, that they thought was engaged in tyranny. Having said that, mm -hmm. I do not believe that it would behoove those of us who believe that the government is going off the rails, who believe that we are seeing uh, the slow creeping, now accelerating uh, tyranny of one party rule creep into our local communities, creep uh, into the halls of power down in DC, you think that the best answer is to turn and run. I, I reminded mm. of the words of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. since it is Black History Month, um, 
when uh, A. Philip Randolph uh, or Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. sat down uh, and he says, I feel I have integrated my people into a burning house. Um, and the response was that we must be firemen, uh, that we must go into the flames, that we must put out the flames. And if we truly believe in our hearts that America remains the greatest force for freedom and justice on the planet, that we remain that beacon of hope that is required for the world as we know it to persevere, for freedom uh, to persevere, uh, then we have an obligation morally, uh, spiritually, and certainly um, to honor what Abraham Lincoln called the last full measure of devotion, those Americans uh, who have donned the uniform of this nation to secure freedom here at home and abroad, uh, to fight like heck to preserve this union, uh, as Abraham Lincoln gave his life to do so as well. You know, I, you know, I like that answer, and, and it's very thoughtful to me. My issue, and again, I don't want to see the dissolution of this country. I think part of the problem is we focus on what divides us I, with intent we're being forced to focus on what divides us as a country not what unites us as a country mm. you know, men from women black from white rich from poor I mean I think there is a uh, a deliberate attempt to keep us divided because it's much easier to sort of rule if you're in the minority if your opposition is divided my, my you know the, the world according to me my concern is we have selective application of the law before we are a democracy, and we're not really a democracy, Joe, you, you know that, we're really a constitutional republic, right? We are a nation of laws. And the last line of defense is always the rule of law. And if you want to radically transform society, which is what I would argue is really going on here, is mm -hmm. an attempt to make America into something different. I don't know what that different is, but you know, we can have that discussion. Is you go after the laws, right? And then you go after the people who enforce the laws, right? So. I think for me, my issue is there is selective application of the laws. Let's look at what the Biden administration did when the Supreme Court came down and ruled that they could not waive student debt. What did they do? Mm. They functionally ignored the law, right? We're only going to the sanctuary cities, which are illegal based on law, but we're only going to apply the laws that we like, and we're not going to apply the laws that we don't like. The minute you get into selective application of the laws on either side, I would argue uh, tends to denigrate and, you know, we devolve into something other than the, the freedom and the principles upon which this country was founded. Yeah. Isn't that like banana republic status? Well, look, I, I would agree. And, and I would say this. I, I, I have con compared what is happening uh, in America right now. Uh, to what happens all the time on Wall Street, kind of this uh, reverse merger, hostile takeover, raider approach to governance, right? U.S. Airways and American Airlines merges. Uh, U.S. Airways is the functional airline that actually isn't going bankrupt, and yet they adopted the business practices of American Airlines, which was functionally bankrupt and didn't work, and they keep the name. Uh, so the name remains the same, but obviously if you were a U.S. Airways customer, certainly you woke up in a different universe. And I think many Americans feel like they're waking up in a different universe. People mm -hmm. effectively trying to keep the moniker that is America, but trying to take America and morph it into something it was never intended to be by embracing policies like socialism that have never worked in the history of the world. So, yes, I think the last line of defense is the rule of law. We have to be 
uh, a nation uh, that has a people who are, uh, again, we have a nation that works, a republic that works by consent of the government. Uh, that consent cannot be granted if the people have taken the rule of law that separates us from the hordes and tossed it into the trash. But I also would say that that's why elections matter. Uh, that is why integrity of our elections matter, because the remedy to those who try to, in many ways, infiltrate uh, those corridors where the law exists uh, is to have elections that allow us to take back control of the tools that we leverage in order to have justice uh, and domestic tranquility, as the Constitution calls for. So, yes, I, I think it is a delicate balance. Um, I think perhaps the the looming threat of the dissolution of our union, if we continue to go down this path, in many ways is the greatest uh, stick to go along with the carrot of hope that we can be using to make sure that we get back to a place where the founding ethos of this nation can once again reign you. I, I I love it. I what I hear you guys talking about is defending American values, American institutions and American freedom. And you know who else defends American freedom? American Center for Education and Knowledge. The politicians in Washington don't care about you. While they argue and bicker and do nothing, our country is falling apart and our cherished freedoms. They're being stripped away one right at a time. It's time to do something about it. The American Center for Education and Knowledge is fighting back to restore America. Join us in our fight to defend American exceptionalism and defend the Constitution. Go to ASICFund.org to learn more. That's A-C-E-K-F-U-N-D dot O-R-G. Do it now. All right. So like the multiverse is a victim of Kathleen Kennedy so too is the American universe the victim of Joe Biden. Oh my God, you guys, I'm I'm dying over here talking about this stuff. I hate these people. Ah. Well, don't 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 hate, don't hate, don't hate your opponent. Hate, I know. Hate hate corrodes, but I want Joe. I want to jump back to you because I want, as you mentioned, it is Black History Month, and ladies and gentlemen, you are talking with Joe Pinion, who is the first Black candidate for United States Senate in New York in either party. So, Joe, you are part of Black History Month. You're, you're a guy from Yonkers, you right? You're Black you're, History. <laughs> what? You're part of history. Exactly. Exactly. Right. You're 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 a guy from Yonkers. You know, or or did I get that right? It's Yonkers, right? Yep. Yonkers, New right. York. Yonkers, New York. But so I want to go closer to home, in New York City. We're still staying with the immigration topic, but mm. now you have. Mayor Adams in New York City, where they're going to hand out debit cards for, I don't know, $1,000 a month, right? To... It's a brand. Right. And <laughs> and I guess... Our brand is chaos. <laughs> well, our, well, our brand is incentive, right? I mean, if you're going to... I'm going to get... You know, I'm an illegal immigrant. I'm going to get free food and, and free lodging, and I'm going to displace American citizens and get free education. And by the way, when the Biden administration is moving around these illegal immigrants... We all know, or at least I know, what happens is they they fly them to different locations, and there's a special line at TSA, which even if they choose to, they don't have to get there. There's no ID any, anywhere. Right? If you're an American, you need identification. But, Joe, what's going on in, in, in New York City? Because, to me, all that is going to do is incentivize more people to come here illegally, uh, provided there's no more than... Five thousand a day, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. You need to you need to tell us why your people are crazy, Joe. Tell us. Right. 
Well, <laughs> you know, and this is the argument and the fight that I get in with my fellow Republicans and my fellow conservatives. I don't think New Yorkers are crazy. I think New Yorkers are suffering under the tyranny of crazy people. Uh, if you talk to the average person in Brooklyn, and even if you expand it outside of New York, you talk to every day, not just the people on the streets of Chicago, but also the people in the lower chamber of the state legislature in Illinois. Uh, you have plenty of aldermen in Illinois talking about if you are going to be giving black people anywhere the type of accommodations that mm. the state of Illinois and Chicago is offering to migrants, we would have had a population boom a long time ago. Can you imagine Good how point. many people would have been moving back uh, to places like Gary, Indiana, or people would have been moving back to Detroit if all of a sudden we just started handing out $53 million worth of debit cards. I'm seeing all these towns in Vermont who are trying to basically buy you a house and pay you to live there to become a nurse. You don't think that if you were handing out these debit cards in, in all those small forgotten towns of Vermont, we could have gotten people to move there? So yes, mm -hmm. when you juxtapose that with what is happening in places like New York City, where you have black and brown people to the tune of over uh, 300,000 officially, by some estimates, over 600,000 people living in public housing uh, that is $80 billion behind on repairs. I will repeat, $80 billion behind on repairs. That is not the national bill for public housing in the nation. That is the delinquent bill for public housing in New York City alone. Wow. Just the five boroughs. So if you're that person living in that building, where the elevators don't work because we had 20,000 that broke down, where there's <laughs> lead in the paint, and this is documented, where there is arsenic in the water, and this is documented, and you're walking through the streets of Manhattan, and you see people rolling into the Roosevelt Hotel with uh, three squares and also a debit card. Mm -hmm. At some mm -hmm. point, something is going to be triggered in your mind saying, these people don't give a you-know-what about us. Yeah. And I think that is where many people are. That is where the opportunity is for Republicans. We have to stop getting on Fox and Newsmax. I love them both. But we have to stop getting on TV and talking about what the Democrats have done. We must start going into communities and demonstrating what Republicans are willing to do in the name of making sure that, yes, we put Americans first, put the people who have made this country what it is first. And so if you're going to talk about black history and all those great phrases used by all those great Democratic politicians, from Jesse Jackson to Barack Obama, hands that pick cotton will pick a president. What is the virtue of having hands that used to pick cotton picking a president if they represent a political party that does everything humanly possible to put your needs and your ambitions on the back burner? So I think, again, there is an opportunity for the conservative movement. There is an opportunity for the Republican Party uh, to say you are getting a live demonstration of just how little these people think of you, of just how stupid they believe you to be, because they can do this in broad daylight and still ask you for your vote with a straight face. Oh, oh my God, Joe! I it is I. It you, is one you just of the said, things, Joe. You just triggered her. I just want. Oh, to know. you got me. Now I'm going. Well, because it's you know being in an interracial marriage. There's so much that like. Just being honest, as a white person from Vermont, there was a bunch of stuff I didn't know, right? Because I grew up very differently. Um, and then th 
what what was so frustrating about the Black Lives Matter movement is that there are legitimate problems in black communities, in the inner cities, and all of the legitimate problems got overlooked because of the salacious, outrageous way people were talking about things. And listening to you share, I mean, 20,000 elevators, arsenic, lead, and but we but there's but we can't pay we let's can't forget, pay reparations let's not forget failing schools that that trap them in the cities as well because the only path out right of poverty regardless of you know race creed or color is education and, right. and the, we all want our kids to be you know be better be more educated than we are yeah Pretty flint simple. michigan still has lead right. in the water Yep. Right. We can't talk about reparations. We can't talk about fixing this stuff. But y'all are going to give fifty three million dollars in debit cards to people who aren't even Americans. I no mean, to that point. I mean, you know, you talk about education, Robert. You know, I have called it uh, the educational uh, the education in this country. It's a civil rights issue of our time. Uh, what is happening in these public schools that is disproportionately impacting minority students. In, in New York City right now, as we speak, we're at close to 75% of black students not being able to do math at grade level. Right? 75%. That is not a typo. Uh, that means only around 25, 26% uh, of the black students are capable of doing math at grade level. The rest of them don't know what they're supposed to know. Across the state, we're looking at close to 60% of all children, all colors, all creeds unable to read at grade level at a time when those fundamental tools for education are going to mean more than ever ever head into an automation error where to have to be able to articulate more so than have a particular confidence for coding or whatever what exactly it is they're trying uh, to solve from a problem solving standpoint right so specificity of language um, is going to have a great impact on all the things that we do on a day-to-day -day mm. basis moving forward. And none of it is happening uh, because, to your point, uh, they are so focused on dividing us. They are so focused mm. on being anti-racist that they have ushered in some of the most racist and bigoted policies we have seen in a lifetime. Even if you look at what happened with Senator Tim Scott in the aftermath of his presidential race, or I would say in the winding final days of his campaign for president, uh, where he proposed uh, to uh, individuals that he had been dating. And the way that he was spoken about, just by virtue of the fact that they knew they could get away with it, because he was a black Republican right. and the black community would let him get away with it because the person that he had chosen to propose to was not a black person themselves, but a white woman who happened to be a conservative. And so these mainstream media that loves to wrap themselves in the patina of respectability, allowed the only black man in the United States Senate who was Republican to be savaged in ways that they would never accept under any nope. other conditions. And so now we have built this world where there is only one way to be black. There's only one way to be a black ally. And you know how you know that has become the case because now even on places like Harvard University campuses and even on places like the University of Pennsylvania campuses, you have Jewish students hiding in libraries for their life 
because the same Jewish people who were basically risking their lives side by side with black people who were buried in shallow graves as we speak that will never be discovered in the name of riding for freedom are, are now being told that their allyship is insufficient and the mm -hmm. only way for them to be a good ally is to side with Hamas who doesn't think any Jewish people should exist anywhere. Um, yeah, they, that is they, the America that is being built right before our very eyes. They basically are creating racists. It's like, it's okay for you to be a racist against people we don't agree with. First of all, right? They're like sanctioning racism against political opponents and then creating racists by all like the border nonsense and then just talking smack about each other and being so ugly. It's, it's creating division. It where there not, doesn't need to be. It's not creating division. It's 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 fomenting division uh, division that was mm. already there, yeah. right? Mm. I, I mean, you, you've got to sort of step back from all all of this. When you look at right, let's go. You know, you had mentioned Martin Luther King, right? You know, you know the "I Have a Dream" speech, where I, I you know to want to live in a country where I'm judged by the content of my character and not the color of my skin. You juxtapose that with the Black Panthers movement, and the reason I bring that up is because basically Black Lives Matter is sort of a modern-day version of the Black Panthers movement, including adopting their 10 or 14 points uh, um, strategy, right, or belief position. And now it's like an Alice in Wonderland, right? If if you are if you don't judge people based on identity politics, then you are a racist. And by the way, as a white person you have systemic race you're born racist and you can't help yourself so they have made everyone into a victim and let's not forget social justice or justice is always rear-facing it's who to blame and how to make reparations or fix the problem and freedom is always forward-facing erica so they're divide mm. they're dividing us because if if they can divide us it's easier to stay in power and to yeah. me I'm cynical. I'm from New Jersey. We all know that. It's all about staying in power. Joe, what say you? It's 100% about power. And mm -hmm. to the point where, you know, here's what I always say. I, I don't get to tell you what to believe, but I do get to demand you be consistent. And even if you look at what has happened here, uh, look, it, it was Malcolm X, of all people, uh, who warned us that the northern white liberal was more dangerous uh, than the southern segregationists, calling mm -hmm. them the northern fox uh, to the southern wolf. And yet somehow when these people try to embrace the mantle of black power, uh, they ignore that fact, right? It was the old saying, uh, you know, from Huey P. Newton and, and Stokely Carmichael, power right. it does not flow from the sleeve of a dashiki, it flows from the barrel of a gun. And yet somehow these are the same people who in the name of black power have sided with northern white liberals who try to unilaterally disarm law-abiding citizens whom uh, black women are the fastest growing segment of new legal gun owners because it's our communities disproportionately that have been turned into a shooting gallery by virtue of this ridiculous radical defund the police movement brought to you by the marxist masquerading as people concerned for black lives to matter so Yes, I, I think it is purely about power, uh, and it has always been about power. And the time has come for minority communities to recognize that the power is vested in them. It is not it not vested in those who pretend to speak on their behalf. That's right.
and, and I would argue that until the black community, any minority community, but until the black community understands that the Democrats have been using them as one of the pillars mm. of their support without really, the black community has, did they benefit under Obama's policies? Not that I saw. Are they, is the black community benefiting under the Biden policies? Not that I saw. But it does come down to votes matter and elections matter. So it's going to be interesting to see, given the rise of illegal immigration, which in New Hampshire was the number one issue. And yes, we're a border state, but the focus is on the southern border. How that affects the black community's vote towards presumably who Donald, Donald Trump will be the nominee on the Republican mm -hmm. side versus whether it's Joe Biden or, or somebody else. Uh, oh, look, I, I think to that point, right, it's, you know, if you take your Republican hat off, right, and just try to look at things from a logic standpoint, right, is it logical for someone to arrive at the conclusion that a vote for this party is going to benefit them? Well, if you look at somebody who was, I, you know, I call the, the not-in-my-backyard northern white liberal crowd, perhaps it does benefit them to vote for Democrats uh, if their main concern is being absolved of any guilt for how they're acting in the present. And that's what happens when Democrats line up that's and start point. talking about reparations uh, for things that people that died long before they were born are responsible for, right? When New York State is talking about reparations, even though clearly it is a northern state where it is not responsible for the transgressions of history, right? So the, there's that perspective. If you're looking at the LGBTQ community, um, or wh whatever many letters have been added now, uh, there is a very real argument to be made uh, that even just in my adult lifetime, uh, by the pushing of Democrats, there has been marriage codified uh, at the federal level and certainly before that at the state level uh, for gay marriages. There are now laws being codified to effectively strip parents of rights um, to make sure that children can transition without their permission. Uh, you could make the argument that there are policies being passed that if you are someone that subscribes to that type of mindset, that would benefit you. You get to the black community, you get to the Hispanic community, people who are here legally, I don't know how you make such a compelling argument. In fact, it goes the opposite way, mm. right? There are, there are schools in New York City right now where there is not a single black child reading or doing math at grade level. Right. That's a real thing. And these schools have not been decertified because we don't have the means wow. or we don't have a method in, in place to decertify them. You go to a place like Maryland, Baltimore, where we know, statistically speaking, over 70 percent of the high school students are reading at an elementary school level. This is child abuse that is being perpetuated by the people that you are voting for. And the only thing they have to say in their own defense is we're not spending enough money even though in New York City alone, we're spending $38,000 per child. Well, how much more money do you need? So, yeah. <laughs> That's I, I, it's because <laughs> meritocracy is no longer, we don't want to be the best. We want to mm -hmm. make everyone equal and we want to we solve the problems of the past. And it's racist to believe in meritocracy. And here. Gather. Here's what and, here and here's game, apparently or any other of the things that they have just unilaterally labeled uh, as racist. I'm pretty sure breathing is going to be we're, next. Uh, hey Joe. Oh yeah, you definitely. Ago, we're, we're oh yeah, the now. white people. White people are we're definitely polluting the oxygen. Uh, <laughs>
Oh my God, I love it, you guys. And you know what else I love? You, Joe Pinion. You have been an awesome guest here on Of the People. We thank you so much Absolutely. for joining us this week. Uh, what fun! Uh, love your perspective, and uh, and also love to hear what's going on up in the Northeast as a fellow Yankee myself. Um, so thank you, Joe, for coming on this week. Where is the best place for people to go follow you? Is it Twitter? Is it YouTube? Where can they check you out? Yeah, people can find me on Twitter, uh, Joseph Pinion, one word, P-I-N-I-O-N. They can find me on Instagram. I am Joe Pinion. Uh, they can go to JoePinion.com. But look, I, I think all of these issues that we talked about simply highlight the fact that we cannot afford another four years of Joe Biden. Mm. We didn't even talk Hallelujah. about the things that are happening beyond our border. This man has has been sleepwalking our country to the precipice of a third world war. And Joe, thank you so much for joining us. Please come back on Of the People. You're right, we didn't talk international politics, so we got a lot more to talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us live, Of the People. We will see you next week. <laughs>